Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. I'm grateful for this time, Lord, that you've given me with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Just one more day, Lord, that we have to fellowship together, that we get to see one another, Lord, that we get to partake in your word and that we get to be taught by your spirit. And Lord, I'm praying for those who couldn't be here today. I pray, Lord, that you make sure that everything is okay with them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we as a ministry or as a people would just get out of ourselves, Lord, that we might do your perfect will. Understanding that the needs of others are just as great, if not greater, than our personal needs. And somehow, Lord, when we get out of self, you just tend to take care of our every need. So, Lord, we just thank you for being faithful. We thank you for being true. We thank you, Lord, for not letting us go at a time when we were just so unworthy. And even as we are coming our way, Lord, we just thank you for having the patience because you see the beginning from the end. I pray, Lord, that no flesh gets glorified tonight. I pray that you don't hear a man's heart, but you only hear the words that are coming from the Spirit of God. I pray, Lord, that in this, it will bring us closer. This won't be the first time that we fellowship together, Lord. I pray that it will just be edifying, Lord, to the hearers, those who are close, and those who are far. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit, Lord, that is against you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you bind it this very moment. And I pray that the spirits of distraction, Lord, go elsewhere, that you give your people eyes to see and ears to hear, that your words may fall on good ground, that we might be transformed by your holy words. For you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, you are faithful, just, and you are true, and you are worthy of all praises. Lord, do these things that we pray for, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called Overcoming the World, the Flesh, and the Devil, okay? Um, I think that it's important that we understand where we are, what we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, While I was on my knees praying before this study, it's so funny that I was going to ask the Lord, like, how do I present to newcomers or, you know... um, overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil, because, you know, to newcomers, a lot of people don't see a lot wrong with the world, you know, revelation comes as we grow and as time goes on, so, you know, I heard it just before I rose up on my feet, the Lord told me, why don't you tell them a story, 
you know, why don't you tell them a story of from the beginning how things were is why we have a deeper need for overcoming. So I'm going to do the best I can. I'm no, you know, whoever those guys are. I'm no Dr. Seuss or Ernest Hemingway or any of those guys, but I'm going to do my best tonight to explain why it's important that we overcome. So the first thing I want to get into is let's just imagine that there's one person that always existed. Let's just say he wanted to create a world and he wanted to create people and he wanted to just begin the building blocks of creation, but he himself had always existed. I know that's hard to fathom, but just think about this. So this one individual gets lonely and he begins to create, you know, things because he is all powerful that will serve him. So, you know, he had uh, groups of people that were considered pretty high, you know, with him. He built them righteous and they were supposed to obey him forever. He built them with a free will. He created them to be, I wouldn't say in his image, but they were servants of his. So there comes a point where one of his servants gets a little too high and mighty, starts thinking about why do we always have to serve him? Does he really know everything? And this servant gets pretty bold and starts talking to other servants of the master and just says, you know, I think that I would be better at what he does. I think that we should move on. I think that we should start our own thing and distance ourselves from this one creator, this one individual. So they attempt to, they try to get others on board. They did get others to follow them. And because when the king heard this, he was really upset, so he got rid of them. You know, he told them, okay, since you want to represent you, then you are banished from me. You don't want anything to do with me? Well, you need to go. So he goes, he gets sent to a lower, lower part, lower place, let's just say called Earth, and he wants to run things down here. But this king has other plans. He said, because those people didn't obey me, uh, he speaks to, oh man, this is going to be difficult, but let's just say he talks to two other, two partners of his. Okay, he, this, this king has a son and this king has a spirit. So he's speaking to both of them and he says, okay, why don't we do this so, so people won't rebel? Let's make something called man in our image. Let's just do this. Let's just, so that way he can be good, he can understand me, he can be made like me, that he might follow me. So, of course, the ones who were kicked out heard this, and they're like, oh, wow, he created something like himself? Well, I don't like that, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and speak to his new children, his new servants, and I want them to follow me. Okay, I'm going to do what it takes that they follow me to. They're going to join my army of rebels. That way I can, I can, please call it, upset this creator that was once good to me, that I turned against. So, you know, when you get down to the story of, I want to get us to the place of Adam and Eve, the first man, the first woman. This um, rebel uh, disguised himself in the form of a serpent. He came up to them and he offered them a chance to be like them, to be like the very God that they were serving. You guys can be your own individuals. You don't have to follow him. And of course, this creator being all-knowing, some people would say, how come he didn't just stop it because it happened once before? 
But I'm even recognizing that when you truly love someone, whether it's your child, whether it's a friend, whether it's a wife or whomever or husband or, you know, the thing is, is that you want them to have a free will. You want them to be able to choose. How many times have we ever been in a situation where we were dating someone, but we weren't really sure that that person wanted to be with us anymore? Like maybe they wanted to be with someone else. So they might come to you. I don't know if you guys have ever been asked this. All right, you think I should be with you or you think I should be with them? Now, you don't want to say be with me because it just sounds so controlling. You want that person to willfully want you without you manipulating or trying to do anything to it. Well, that's the God that we serve. That's, that's this king. But long story short, this rebel got the image of God or the, the image of this king to worship him. He got them to rebel. He got them to do the exact same thing that he did and think the same way that he thinks. And from that moment on, the creator felt something special for us. He didn't want to condemn us like he did them. He didn't want to throw us away. So he's been working with us ever since that we might get to know him. He tried to give us laws and man just couldn't govern himself out of his own wretchedness. You know, he, he was given 613 laws and he still couldn't do it. So God had to send, or the king had to send his son into the world to be an example for the creation to let him know this is how you do it. And that's why Jesus Christ came. Okay, this, this rebel has been spilling all kinds of lies and filth and telling you you don't need God, forget him. You can make a whole bunch of money. You can be rich and famous. Don't worry about Judgment Day or the end times. Just enjoy your life. And this is where we are right now. This is why so many people are not sure what they truly believe. This, this uh, rebel has even turned people unto false gods, which are probably some of his cronies that he fell with. But, you know, they went to man, tried to manipulate them. Hey, you can serve me. I'm a god too. Well, you don't have to obey him. So this is the struggle that the creation of God is having right now. What do I believe? Who is the true God? Who says that I should obey him outside of living my life? And one thing the rebel did to the world that God made was put things there to entice us from the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, people don't have to believe that story, but I am telling you, this is what the whole thing is. He manipulated the image to follow him, and now the image is lost trying to find his way home. And Jesus Christ is trying to shine into every person. Hey, everybody. Hey, you in the dark. Hey, you that doesn't know who, that don't know who I am. Come and follow me. I'm even going to send other people that have found me to you to tell you about your need for me because I'm going to bring you back to the Father away from the corruption that this rebel has brought. Okay, so I don't know if that makes any sense or did I make you guys more confused than what you already knew. But this is the battle that has been going on long before we even arrived. So you see, it's almost like a mystery where we've got to figure things out. Why am I here? What is the purpose of, you know, me being here? Who should I follow? Who's telling me the truth? Well, God made it real simple. He sent his son into the world to do amazing works, and he wants his spirit to live in every single person that's in darkness that they might find the truth. Okay, so with that being said, let's go to um, 
you know, uh, John 3, I mean, John 16. St. John 16. And, and this is the other thing that this rebel does. He tries to hide himself. Mm-hmm. You know, at one point, it was everybody knew that he was responsible for so much. Everybody knew that this guy was the criminal, the culprit. Our 90-year-old grandmothers knew more than a lot of people today. I mean, when you got a cold, they would say, it's the devil, (laughs) you know, when this happened. But now he's learned to hide himself, and that's why, I don't know what movie that was. Do you remember when he said the greatest um, trick that the devil ever pulled was to convince everybody that he didn't exist? I don't know if you guys ever heard that. It's a movie. I don't know, but you know, it was the the Satan, that was the greatest trick that he ever pulled was to convince the world he doesn't exist. You're a mess up because you're a mess up. Be accountable for yourself. I got nothing to do with this. We ought to be accountable for ourselves, but you got a lot of help getting in your way because this guy is a coward. He hides in the shadows. He's afraid of our father. Also, this rebel has children, okay? This rebel has pretty much anybody that doesn't know Jesus Christ is one of his. Okay, and and that's something that we got to recognize, too. God has kids in the world, and Satan has kids in the world. And these two are interacting with each other, you know, one trying to influence the other to go their way, and then you got others trying to influence them to go God's way. So, you know, let's just get this understanding is all I'm saying. Were you going to say something or no? Oh, okay. Did you, uh, I thought you raised your hand or something. I don't know. <laughs> like you're in deep thought. Uh, you know I would have said it. <laughs> yeah, you do. Christina would speak up. Like I personally don't believe that. And you should get the head moving too. And I, yeah. All right. So this is John 16, and we'll begin at verse one. Are you there? Everybody there? All right. And it says, These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. So this is Jesus pretty much telling the people about their need for him, telling them about what they can expect. In the last uh, chapter, he talked about being the true vine. So what does a true vine mean? That there are many vines. There are many sources of what you can say, maybe not life, but inspiration. But what Jesus Christ is telling everyone, hey, I'm the true vine. I know you see many vines, but I'm the only one that leads back. And when you say that to people today that believe other things, they get offended. So he's saying, these things have I told you guys that you won't be offended. He's trying to help. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. Why? Because there's this rebel that is telling people there's no need to worship and do all these other things. But verse 3, And these things will I do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. So as you can see, they don't know the king. They don't know this creator. These people are going against him. Okay, so he's saying that's why they will come against you, because they're blind. But these things have I told you, as when the time shall come, Ye may remember that I told you of them, and these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whither thou goest, where are you going? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your hearts. 
So Jesus is telling the disciples, guys, I'm not going to be with you long. I'm going to have to go back to my father. I've already completed the mission and telling people about the truth. So now I'm about to go back. So he's saying that his disciples, those who followed him, are feeling sorrowful. And then he says, um, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For, I, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. Because if I depart, I will send him unto you. So remember, the king has, I would say, two helpers. He has two in, in government with him. One is his son, which is who is speaking now, telling the people. But then you've got this, the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, that he intended to send that we might receive the truth. All right. And then he says, and when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So he's making it clear that when this comforter, when the Holy Ghost would come, when Jesus Christ sends him in place of Jesus, you know, he is going to reprove the world of sin. That means he's going to tell you, hey, guys, you're off track. You're acting like that rebel that, you know, that started up all this stuff. You need to be different. And it says that he's going to convict the world of um, he's going to reprove the world, like correct them of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So he's going to actually come after them to let them know what they can expect to experience what he's about. Then it says, uh, of sin, because they believe not on me. So see, when people don't believe in Jesus Christ, they don't want to follow the ways of Jesus Christ. They follow the rebel. Then it says, of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. So when Jesus said that he would leave, how's it going, man? That he would bring a comforter and that comforter would come and get everybody ready to be able to go back. So you see, that's why we truly can't be righteous unless we have God's spirit. Unless we have the king's spirit, we cannot be righteous. We'll be righteous in our own standards. There are things that we'll say, well, yeah, I'm right in this. But then, you know, you've got a whole bunch of other things that are wrong. So this spirit is only coming to make sure that we are truly righteous. What most people are today is right, but they're not righteous. I may be right concerning the things that I'm saying or what I'm, you know, but righteousness is a nature. That means that you don't have to pretend. You don't have to have a double standard. You're righteous because you are obedient to the king that created you from the beginning. So then he says, um, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. So if Jesus Christ is here speaking about a prince, and that's a lowercase p of this world, is judged. Remember, when the rebel left the king, the, the rebel, after he tricked the creation, you know, or, or the, the servants of God, he became the God of this world. It is important that we understand that. A lot of people don't even know, just for example, what the um, trimet symbol means. You know, a lot of people don't know what the Starbucks symbol means. This place is, is just in so much symbology that means so many things that most people don't understand that you wouldn't even know that the enemy or the rebel has left his fingerprints on it. And, you know, we'll buy things and we'll get little charms and we don't even understand what these things mean. But he's saying that this is what the prince of this world has done. He has fashioned this world after himself. All right. Then it says, and um, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, 
he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that ye shall speak, and he will shew you things to come. Now, it is important that we understand this spirit of truth is the comforter. It is no accident why we meet people like we do. I never met Eric on the street. I met Eric through Jake. And ever since then, he's been a brother in the Lord. I've known him a couple of years. You were invited by Christina. I met Christina through Devin. Just to show you how, you know, God brings people together. I met Sarah working with her. Believe it or not, I couldn't even stand Sarah at one point. Sarah was my enemy. Okay, I met I met Melissa, you know, um, one day working. Uh, she was um, working up in the Nature Cures building or whatever, and she was somebody I was ministering to, talking to, and she didn't want it at first, but that spirit of truth just kept seeking her, kept going after her. Hey, you need this. You need to know this. And, and that's how things end up happening. But most cases, when you, when you come into the gospel or get to know Jesus, most people you do not pick for yourself to be friends. God does all the picking. There's a reason why we know each other and why we bond together. So I want to skip down because I don't want to um, read all of this. I just want to make the point that Jesus said that, you know, why the spirit of truth would come, you know, and to go against those things that are not right. So we're going to begin in verse 28 now. In the, in the same chapter. Let's jump down there. So Jesus says, I came forth from the Father who was the creator and am come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. Now, I'm not saying the Father. The Father is the creator, meaning like he's the mastermind. Jesus Christ actually created everything that we see. Okay, so he, he's the creator, but the Father told him to do it, is what I'm saying, is, is why we're here and Praise the Lord for it. So he says, after he did what he was supposed to, he would go again to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are ye sure, are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee? By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Now why did they believe Jesus came from God? He preached things that they had never heard before. He brought so much truth and understanding from the Old Testament unto the New, and he performed miracles. He cast out devils. He, he healed the sick. He um, you know, restored sight to the blind. I mean, he did everything while he was here. And like I said, if the Lord had not come unto me, I would have thought this was all fantasy. But see, the funny thing about God's word is you believe it first. And then the revelation comes. But if you just try and look for evidence beforehand, God may give you little things here and there. But it's almost like if I wanted to convince somebody out there that we're having Bible study in here. Now, I couldn't do that just from the outside because they don't see anybody. But if I were to say, hey, come, let me show you what's going on inside. And if, I, and if that person willfully comes along, then they'll see everyone in here. But if we're just talking outside, they can say, well, maybe he's telling the truth and maybe he's lying. Okay, so it's just one of those things where you have to open your heart. Ask the Lord to show you that he's real because that's the way that he works. A lot of people are so mentally strong, they don't want to receive this as truth. And that's as far as they go. But when you seek the truth, all right, Lord, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Show me and he'll come unto you. And the reason I brought that up is because, you know, in my walk with the Lord, 
I began to believe everything that this word said. And the, and the interesting thing is, the Lord has done some signs. He's done some miraculous works in my life. A friend of mine had HIV, as I told you. I prayed for her in the name of Jesus. I fasted. I don't remember how long, but I prayed for her and she was healed. You know, there are people that have had cancer that I've touched in the Lord and they were healed. So I know that Jesus Christ is alive. His power is true, but you've got to believe him. You've got to believe it because if you don't, you know, then nothing will happen. God's not going to force himself on you. But if you believe the words of Jesus Christ, then he'll reveal himself. So he says in verse 31, I believe that's where I am. And he says, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is not come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. So this actually did happen. The disciples who walked with Jesus, rough times came, and they ran away. But Jesus said, don't worry about it. I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. Now, Jesus, of course, of course, did come back and show them who he was, and that gave them more faith. He raised from the dead. This is verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world, because remember, this is not God's world. This is the enemy's world. And he says, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, if you guys want to understand of what Jesus overcame, you know, I'm going to have to actually go there because I need to make this point tonight that we have understanding. So let's go to Luke chapter 4, okay? That's one book uh, back. No, we're not going to come back to John. Luke chapter 4. I believe sometimes, you know, it is better to be understood you know, than to just go forward with whatever. It is important that people grasp what this whole thing is about. All right, Luke chapter 4, we will begin at verse 1, and it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit. So this is that comforter. Remember the one Jesus said would come? This is the comforter, the Spirit, into the wilderness. So the Spirit took Jesus from the world and said, hey, we got to separate. There's some things that we need to take care of. You need to come with me, all right? So he led him into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted of that the devil, this is the uh, rebel, in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, afterwards he, he afterward hungered. So he was hungry. You know, you don't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. You know, you, you're going to want something to eat. But he was doing this to subdue his flesh so that way his spirit can become strong. So then it says, And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. So the, the devil is saying, Okay, I know that the spirit, which is God's spirit, led you in here not to eat anything. So what am I going to do? I'm going to try and get you to be a rebel just like I did Adam and Eve, just like I did the angels that came with me. I'm going to do the same thing. So he wanted Jesus to disobey. So he said, all right, if you're really the son of God, command these stones that they be made bread so you can eat. So look at what Jesus said. And Jesus said unto him, or answered him, saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So what Jesus was understanding is, yes, I'm hungry. You're absolutely right. But 
It is about me being obedient to my father and not to you. The last few people that listen to you, things didn't go so well. You know, this is how the world was. So I'm going to obey this time and I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to make sure that I'm obeying the creator so I can stay in good standing with him. So he said, I'm not living by bread alone. I'm listening to every word of God, which was his father he was speaking of. And the devil, this is the rebel again, taking him up into a high mountain, shewed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So as you can see, this rebel runs the world, okay? He took Jesus up to a high place and he said, hey man, look at this. I got the Greek empire, I got the Roman empire, I got whatever, which one you want? I mean, how many castles do you want? I can give you as many women as you need. I can fill you with such wealth. Man, what do you want? It's all mine. This is what he showed them. And then he said, and the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them. Uh, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. So he's like, hey, man, if you listen to me, I'll make you rich. I'll make you successful in this world. I'll give you anything you want. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. See, this is the rebel trying to get Jesus to be a rebel. Um, yeah, he said, um, oh, this is verse 7. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. All will be yours. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So again, he said, hey, man, I'm not listening to you. I don't want anything you got here. I know it's a trick. I know if I bought a house and I paid off all the mortgage, I would still have to pay the taxes on it, so it'll never really be mine. Then when I then when I stop paying the taxes, they'll come and repossess the house. Now, I'm, I'm trying to bring this to a point to where you guys understand, no matter what it is that you own, it's never really yours. Things come and go all the time, and God knows this, so he's trying to get us to focus on those eternal things, you know? So he said, hey, I'm only going to follow him. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down hence. Throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time they have dashed thy foot against the stone. So what did his enemy do next? He got smart. He said, okay, well, since Jesus is quoting the Bible and quoting scripture about what is written, all right, so I'm going to tell Jesus about something that is written. He quoted Psalm 91. This is the enemy quoting the Bible to Jesus to try and get him to obey him. If you go to Psalm 91, you'll see these very same words, but he said, all right, I'm going to be slick. All right, you want to get religious, you want to get into the Bible, I'm going to get into the Bible. Now will you follow me? So he told Jesus, throw yourself down. Throw yourself down. And if you are really the son of God, the angels of God will catch you. And if Jesus would have thrown himself down, the angels of God would have caught him. But guess what? He would have obeyed the rebel and not his father. So he made it clear, I got nothing to prove to you. Look at what he says. And Jesus answered and said unto him, it is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So just because we could do something doesn't mean we should. We have to stay obedient, but this is how cunning this rebel was. He said, man, I'll quote scripture. I'll do whatever it takes. I just want you to worship me. And many of us today are worshiping this God through our music, 
through our TV shows, through the things that we like to do, the way that we like to live. Many of us are worshiping him today, and all Jesus Christ is trying to do is, hey, I know you're falling. I know you don't get it. Get, talk to me. Come to me. I'll give you a new set of eyes that you can actually see this world for what it is. It's just like the movie The Matrix, remember? When Neo went out there and they told him to, um, they said, all right, we're going to show you The Matrix. So what did Neo do? He got plugged up. He went into the world to find out what it was, the computer world. And Morpheus told him, all right, well, we're going to show you what the world really looks like, what it's about, what it's about, you know, everything. And then he says, well, you know, the Matrix is a system built to keep people under control, to turn a human being. Remember, he grabbed the battery. He said, into this. And what did Neo say? Neo didn't say, oh, man, that was awesome. Thank you for telling me. What did he say? No, I don't believe it. He said, I didn't tell you that it would be um, easy to believe, Neo. I'm just telling you it would be the truth. And what did he say? Stop. Get me out of here. I don't want to be in here. Why? Because reality is hit. So this is what happens when you bring people the gospel. Some things just sound so unreal that you can't believe it's happening. And it's because you've been walking around in darkness without the truth. So it just seems like your mom is nagging you. It just seems like your wife is just messing with you for no reason. But when those scales get taken off and you see things for what they are, man, it gives you a fresh perspective. So this is what Jesus overcame. He overcame in the first temptation, the lust of the eyes. The second temptation, the lust of the flesh. Well, the first temptation, lust of the flesh. Second temptation, the lust of the eyes. And the third temptation was the pride of life. Now, what is the lust of the, the flesh? Anything that the flesh wants. Instead of us sometimes getting into Jesus, we want to get into what we enjoy. I know I can pray. I know I can get into the Bible, but I got a little TV I want to see, and then I want to eat, and then I want to do this, and then I want to go out to a movie and have some fun and do whatever. When the spirit, that, that comforter might be telling you, hey, you need to get on your knees and draw closer because it seems like you're starting to run towards the rebel. You know, I'm trying to guide you here so you can stay on track. And then that was the lust of the flesh. So, you know, a Christian's life, in many cases, once he learns the truth, he has to deny some of the things that he used to be into. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with TV, okay? But what we watch can play a role in our lives. Don't you guys notice that life imitates art? Isn't it funny how whatever people see on TV, that's what they try and be? So that's how dangerous it can be to, to fill your mind with the Rebels programs and the things that the Rebel enjoys. You don't just watch a movie and you say, man, that was good. What happens? Man, not only was that good, but I'm going to dye my hair just like Beyonce did. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to talk like Tony Montana. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to curse. I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to get violent. I'm going to watch Rocky and think I can beat the whole world because I've seen that movie. So you see, what we take in is very powerful. Now, that was the lust of the flesh, but the lust of the eyes was the second temptation. And that's why the devil said, look at all these beautiful things that I can give you in a moment in time. And Jesus said, you know, get behind me because I'm only serving my father. I know what you did to so many others. I know you're a rebel. You're a liar. You're the father of lies. I'm going to stay on point with the truth. I'm going to be over here. But the last is the pride of life. And this is something that is probably the most difficult 
of them all because, I mean, how many people can actually admit that they're wrong when they're wrong and have it not mean anything to them? How many people can humble themselves enough to just see someone else make it? But see, when you're proud, no, I've got to be right. I've got to be first. And this is what the world teaches you. This is what the rebels world show you. You got to be number one. You got to have the most. You got to be the best. You've got to love yourself. Okay. You've got to be up to date. Never mind that homeless man that hasn't eaten anything. Hey, it's all about you. Take care of yourself. So the pride of life, pride itself is an ugly thing. It's really the first sin that made the rebel fall. The rebel in heaven, God said he made him more beautiful than anything. The rebel was not some ugly creation. The Bible says that he was perfect in beauty. Imagine making something perfect in beauty and full of wisdom. He sealed up the sun. That means that this guy knew everything that, well, I wouldn't say everything God knows, but he was super intelligent more than anyone else. So he began to look at himself and all that he has and say, you know what? I don't need God. Man, look at me. I'm beautiful. I got everything. Probably had a perfect build. The Bible says that he even had music instrumentation built into him. He had pipes and taverns because he was meant to praise and worship God and do the worship for God. So you see, this rebel knows a lot about music. This rebel is a master at it. He knows that if he can play certain beats and he can get your mind going and you start feeling that music and you get into it, man, forget it. You're gone. And this is how he tempts you. He gets you into things that you would like. He's a musician. He's a maestro. So, you know, he, he uses certain things to attack people to get them on board with him. We got a teaching called The Nature of the Beats. If anybody's interested in learning more, go to soundoftrumpetministries.com and check out that, that video how, you know, you can have um, music at 440 hertz that can um, hypnotize you almost. But the music at 432 hertz is kind of healthy for the body, like a lot of classical music, you know, maybe some gospel, not all. But there's some music that even doctors will tell you, hey, if you listen to this, it'll lower your blood pressure. But when you got eh, 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 playing in you, I mean, it throws your mind into chaos where it's just like you just, you know, it's hard to think, okay? So I just wanted to make that point quick, guys. Let's go to 1 John 2. That's at the back of your Bible. But I just wanted to explain how Jesus overcame the world. If Jesus at any time would have obeyed this rebel, did something that the rebel liked, disobeyed his father, Jesus would have been sitting with you and I, okay, for judgment. The whole world would have been destroyed. So what did God do? God brought his own son, who was also God, into the world to teach us how to walk in this flesh that we might be righteous. That's how you overcome the world. Left my book here. So, I mean, does anybody understand? Because if there's anything that you don't understand, one thing I do not mind is being interrupted. If there are things that, you know, you need explanation on, or even things you disagree, I promise you, you will not offend me. We can talk about it. But that the whole goal is for people to get understanding. All right. So this is 1 John 2. And we're going to begin at verse 15. And it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So 
let me get this right. I know that we live in the world. I know there are things that we must do in the world. But he says to love it. And so when you love the world, it's almost like you marry yourself to it. You, you get into those things more than you would the things that God wants. So he says, man, if you love the world, if you love everything about it, then the love of the creator from the beginning is not in us. Now, I'm going to tell everybody, just so you know, this is not an overnight process. What Christina did with her science project, putting all the balls in the, um, in the vessel, and she was showing through time how the vessels, you know, the more water, the more God gets put into you, that, that comforter, that spirit, that, that the balls would come out, the things that were holding back the spirit from working. Okay, so we got to understand, this is not an easy process. You don't just wake up overcoming the world. But the more that the Lord shows you, the more that he gets you in tune with and gives you understanding about. And the best part is he takes away the appetite to not obey him. I mean, to obey, to, to not obey him. Okay. You start to be like the original creation, like God. You start to think like him. You start to want what he wants. And then the things that you used to do, man, it's just, uh. and I believe that God does this on certain scales. I want everybody to think about this. I'm not trying to bring bad thoughts back into your life, but think about this. Every single person sitting here has done something that they're ashamed of and that you've grown from since you've last done it. Everybody. I don't care if you did something at 12. Think about it. It could have been something disgusting, something bad. Maybe you hit somebody. Maybe you hurt someone's feelings. But when that is brought to your attention today, do you see how it's like, Man, I don't even want to remember that. Don't bring that up. You know, I feel bad because I knew that I did that and it wasn't right. That is how we grow in Christ, that we go, you know, the more understanding we have, the more we grow, you start to not like the things that you used to do. All right. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. I, don't, I can't find what scripture is. I feel like it's somewhere in John, mm -hmm. um, and it said that um, because God loved the world, he gave us only begotten son. That's uh, John 3. John 3, 16. So here it tells us, God's, you know, creation of the image mm -hmm. to not love the world, but then God loves the world. So that's confusing to me. Can you help me Okay, that? absolutely. <laughs> there are two words for world in the Bible, in the Greek. One is aeon, meaning the age, and the other is the cosmos. Okay, so the cosmos is where we get our fashions, where we get our trends. You know, that's where you get the word cosmopolitan or, you know, where people get into that cosmology. So the, the things that the world loves, hanging your pants and doing all that other stuff. I mean, those things, the Bible is telling us not to take up the styles and the trends. So he and he means also the age, because who is the current age run by? The current age is run by the rebel. Right. Satan. So he's telling us not to love this age. Like, remember when Jesus said, have your focus on eternal life? Focus on things that are going to endure and not things that you can't hold on to. Okay. You know, so that's what he means. He doesn't mean people. Jesus died for the people. He so loved the world, meaning the people that were in the world, that he, what he wanted to do was pull them out of it. Um, I want, I'm going to make that point, too. Um, does that make any sense, though? Right. So verse 16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life 
is not of the Father, but is of the world. So as you can see, the rebel put those things. These are the things that the rebel tried to tempt Jesus with, and Jesus overcame it. Man, I don't want any of your garbage. Take it back to where you came from. I know who you are. I know what you're about. And I'm only here to worship my Father, to do what he says. Now, if you go to John 17, you guys can write it down because we may not have time to go into it. But if you go into John 17, John 17 talks about when Jesus prays unto the Father. And this is to answer your question. He says, Father, I'm thankful to you for the people that you gave me, meaning the disciples or those who would hear the truth. He said, I don't pray for the world. I pray that you take my people out of it. So he wants his people out of the world, out of the system, out of the way that the rebel does things, and to be reliant on the Lord. Okay, so it's in John 17. I'll go there real quick because I just wanted to make the point here. But it says, and uh, this is verse 17, and the world passes away, and the lust that is in the world, that's what he means, the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So as you can see, if you um, abide with the will of what God wants versus what the rebel wants, he says you're going to live forever. See, a lot of people don't even know where they're going when they die. A lot of people are just, well, I believe you get reincarnated. Don't ever believe that lie. That is, that is so not true. The Bible says that we are given one life once to die, and after that we are judged. So how we live in according to God's word determines where we're going to spend eternity. You will go from death unto eternity, but it's going to be in one or two places. One is heaven, where God intended for his creation to be. The other is hell, which is what he made for the rebel and his servants. Okay, so hell wasn't made for man. The Bible makes that clear. It was made for the rebel and those who would follow him. Okay, so you will be in eternity one way or the other, but what you want is to be with God because that's what the faithful creator always wanted for us. He always wanted us with him. But I'm just going to go to John 17 real quick to prove this point because I think that this is uh, important to go into. All right, let's go to St. John 17, not 1st John All right, so we're going to start at verse 9. I have a question. Yeah. This might be a question. No. Um, but John, St. John, and First uh, like John, are those two different Johns? Same John. Same, same John. John. Yeah, this one was walking with him. John actually outlived all of the other disciples. They were all killed. He was sent to ex in exile at the Isle of Patmos. He was about 100 years old when the book of Revelation came to him. He was about 90 he was way up there, you know, so the others died, but he lived, huh? He's actually writing in a cave. That's right. Yep, they put him on an island to go and die or whatever, but the Lord gave him everything that he needed. All right, does that answer your question? Yes. All, right. All right, so this is John 17 and 9. Jesus is praying, and he says, I pray for them, I pray not for the world but for them which thou hast given me, for, all, for they are thine, like they are mine, or they are yours. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. So they're mine, I'm yours, this is what we're doing, you know. And then he says in verse 11, and now I am no more in the world. So what did he mean? 
Remember, Jesus was born into the world. He didn't perform one miracle until he was 30 years old when the Holy Ghost came upon him. So Jesus said, I'm no longer in the world, but you know he obviously is because he's there. But he's saying, I'm no more a part of the, I'm not a part of the cosmos. I'm not a part of, right, I'm not involved in this. I'm not the carpenter's son anymore because he was his dad was a carpenter. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm only serving you, Father, because this is why I came. So then he says, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. So Jesus has the Holy Ghost. His disciples don't have the Holy Ghost yet. So they are in the world, and he's also speaking for the people that will eventually come to him that are still in the world blind. So he says, I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And, uh, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom um, thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. As we are. So you see, Jesus was one with his Father. What does Jesus want? Us to be one with him. So he wants us to all be a part of this family. This is our inheritance that we get to be with a true king. So this is what he wants. He doesn't want you in the dung. He doesn't want men being with you as ladies, you know, and not wanting to marry you or doing anything. Hey, man, my women are more precious than that. My children are more precious. You want her, marry her. And you better be a believer, too, because I'm bringing her back with me. So God wants to pull us up to a high place where we can be respected, where we can be worshipped, even for the men. I don't want you running around with one of the whores of the world. I want you being a godly man that you can show this woman or a woman how I am because you're going to be a reflection of me. So God, you know, if you just think about it. He wants to dust us off, clean us up. And, you know, we want to tell him, man, get off me. I ain't had a shower in months, but I don't want to be clean. I don't want your help. You know, and it's like, man, he's trying to tell you, get off the train track. You're with the rebel. You're on the enemy's side. You know, you need to be on my side. And we're, well, I don't see that. He's been a good friend to me. Why? Because you've lived in the world and that's all you've known. But what you want to know is the way that God does it. You want to have the wisdom of Jesus Christ to see how he lives. Because God lives a clean life. And if he's telling you that you can be holy, Man, that's an honor. That's not picking on you. That's telling you, man, you're worth more than the trash that you've been hanging out with. Man, come unto me and be a king's son. Be a king's daughter. You are royalty. You don't belong with this bum. This bum has been lying to you, using you, and abusing you like he's done so many others. But come unto me. I'll make you somebody. Don't you know you're the son or daughter of a king? You're not even supposed to be living like this. All right, make the point. So he says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. So he kept them in the, in the Father's name. Those that thou gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. So as you can see, Jesus chose 12 apostles. 11 of them were obedient. Well, really 10, but 11 came back and understood where he was wrong and wanted to follow but there was the 12th is the one that actually betrayed Jesus. You know, he saw him. His name is Judas Iscariot. He went and wanted to betray Jesus. Why? Because he loved the rebel. He said, all right, Jesus, I know what you have to offer me, but I don't want your help. I'd rather be with this guy. I'd rather get the 30 pieces of silver that the rebel is promising me over what you want. And this is the struggle we have today. Do you want to be somebody in the world? And there's nothing wrong with being respectable in the world, but do you want to be 
make all these millions and be in Hollywood and be a star or and lose your mind eventually and commit suicide and probably end up on drugs and be married a hundred times. And then when the rebel is through with them, he uses them and throws them away. Look at Michael Jackson. Look at Whitney Houston. You can go back to Elvis. You can go to the Beatles. You can go to anybody. Most celebrities lose their minds on their way out. You hear them talking crazy. They don't even know what to do anymore or where they're going. That's what the rebel will do to you. He'll mess your head up, get you involved in so much. And then when he's made his money after so many have followed you, and yeah, now I'll kick you to the curb too. I don't need you. But see, God intends to rule with his bride. He wants you to be respectable. He wants you to be someone. So that's the, that's the conflict that we're in right now. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, and they might have uh, my joy fulfilled in themselves. So you see what joy is? Joy is a fruit of the spirit. Joy is not happiness. Happiness comes when someone says, oh, I got a present for you. I got this or that. Joy, I mean, you can just break up with somebody or something can happen. But, you know, God's spirit, that comforter come over you and you're just like, you know what? I'm all right. Praise your name that I went through this because you were only trying to get me on the right path. That's joy. Joy is something that can't be taken from you because it's a fruit that has grown in Christ. Yeah. It's like a lot of people in the world don't understand because, you know, if relationships are only temporal or, you know, because I, I, this has happened to me before in my life, too, where it's like you break up with somebody and your world just crumbles to the ground. Mm -hmm. And the joy that we have in, in, in Jesus Christ is, is that no matter who leaves you in your life, you, no you've been made happens, whole. Exactly. That you know that your salvation in Jesus is real because it carries you on. No matter who leaves you, no matter if it's just you and him and nobody else around you, and the world doesn't understand that because we all have these like temporal relationships that we have to have. And I'm telling you guys, we were not like this. If you would have seen us years ago, we yeah. would be unrecognizable. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's something that I've kind of just um, discovered, too, is that things are meant to flow. Like, mm -hmm. whatever is meant to be for you will, will come in and out and when they're supposed to come in and out and mm -hmm. that's that's how it works that's the plan mm -hmm. you know exactly it's designed for you and everyone's different that's why some people are happy you know 10 years into their marriage and you haven't found anyone yet it's just all part of it is part of the life. process you're absolutely right that if God's plan is in your life, that he will make you, he'll get you those things. And that's why I'm glad you brought that up because worrying is a sin. Mm -hmm. To worry is a sin. To say, oh, you got this and I don't have anything. When will somebody do this for me? That's a sin mm -hmm. because it means that you don't have faith in God. You know, his plan, like you were talking about the plan. Your time will come. Everything has its season. But if we're running after things that we want because we must have them now, that's how you end up marrying the wrong person, you know? That's how you end up caught up in stuff that you don't need to be in. And then you're going to say, if there was a God, why is my life so bad? And God will say, that's not who I chose for you. Who I chose for you, you didn't want to wait for. He was only coming tomorrow to introduce <laughs> himself or herself, you know, but you had to run ahead and... Well, I'm going to do it now. And then there you go. You know, yeah. 10 years of hell just for opening one chapter in your life that should have been closed. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely right. I mean, does that make sense? And yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So then he says, verse 14, I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them. So what did Jesus give them? He gave them his word, the word that we're reading right now. He gave to those that he loved that he wanted to have it. And he said the world hated them. The world wanted nothing to do with this because the world has a father. Can you guys guess who it is? The rebel. The rebel. Right. And then he says in verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. So what does he mean? Putting them in the world that they may dwell for him and do for him. But he wants them away from everything that the rebel is associated with. I need you guys here. You guys are my bride. You're my mouthpiece. You're going to come and share the light with people and tell people the truth. Because, you know, the king is having one big party at the end of time. And he wants people to be in it. He wants everyone invited. He's saying, go get that homeless guy. Go get this kid. Go get this one. I want them to all come with me at the end of time. And we are going to live together forever. So that's what we're doing. When we deliver the gospel, we are inviting people, one, unto the truth that they might be set free from this rebel and that they will be with Jesus where they should be. And then he says, um, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world. There's that word again, you know, that world, cosmos, aeon even as I am not of the world. So what do we have to do? We got to eventually, and this is through growth, this is through time, this is from knowing that creator, that we have to learn how to walk as Jesus walked. Right now, we get tempted on a daily basis. There's stuff still going on. You might give your life to Jesus, but you know, you're still fornicated. You know, you might know the truth and what the Lord is telling you, but your body just ain't getting the message. So we got to understand that even though you know the truth, your body doesn't just turn on. Anybody telling you that is a lie. When you decide to give your life to Jesus, your urges for sin don't stop. And that's why Jesus went. Remember, he was led by the spirit into the wilderness that he might be. He might crucify this flesh or get it to obey the spirit so he could walk as his father walked. All right. So now that we made that point. So he said, sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. So how do we get transformed to be like Jesus? Get into his word. If we don't know the word, go to a place that we can learn it, we can study it, we can have a love for it, someone can break it down. Hopefully it's here, you know, but the thing is, is that we want people to know the truth. But back to what I was saying, if you would have met Sarah four years ago, you would have saw G.I. Jane, okay? <laughs> Sarah was looking military, you know, like, I mean, hey, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm just saying. She had a short, bowl cut. She looked like she was ready for war, okay? Sarah looked like she would have knocked down any three guys that would have jumped in her face. She was, you know, half man, half dude, you know? But that's what the military will do. I mean, forget it, man. I was a, what, whoremongering, troublemaking, fighter, you know, getting into it with people. I mean, just a... Some people would say, you're still selfish. But, I mean, I have, like, you know, there's things that the Lord is still working out. I don't want to tell your story unless you, you know, Christina did, you know, smoked a little herb and stuff like that and got into the world and did what she was doing. Yeah. You know, open about it. But that was just a year and a half ago, you know, Lord changed our life. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to set us free. And see, right now while we're talking, there are demons in the midst telling you, Man, that's not true. Don't believe that. 
You know, you got to kick that to the curb because that's that rebel trying to steal the word from you. Don't let him do it. All right, so let's move on. Now, the first thing we're going to work on is the flesh. So I'm going to bring very few scriptures because I know I've wasted a lot of time. You know, oh, actually, we're real good on time, but we're going to still get this through. We don't need to overwhelm everybody with everything. So I'm only going to give a few scriptures. A few scriptures. Um, one thing, too, about how we're talking about the relationships are temporal. Mm -hmm. uh, and just remembering that, you know, everything in this life is temporal, mm -hmm. you know. Your car, your phone, um, relationships, family, all that life. is yeah. just here on this earth. But that's why focusing on God is so important because He's the one thing that will never leave you, mm -hmm. no matter what. The one consistent thing that you can always rely mm -hmm. on, always trust on, no matter what. Mm -hmm. You can't be pulled from Him as long as you don't pull yourself from Him. That's right. We and go through. Yeah. Um, one of the things that actually has helped me with, um, and this is just my personal experience with. Uh, like being knowing I can be committed to someone if the Lord allowed it is fasting mm -hmm. because fasting um, is a promise that we make to God whatever the fast is and staying committed to him first before you're, you're committed to anyone else it, you know it just really taught me a lot that's right absolutely right let's go to um, I want to go to Galatians 5 let's go to Galatians chapter 5 We are going to talk about the flesh first. I'm probably going to get one or two scriptures there. Then we're going to work on, you know, the lust of the um, the lust of the eyes, and then we're going to go into the pride of life, and we should be out of here. But it won't be long. But I just felt that it was important to get that truth out about where we are, where we're going, and where we're supposed to be. And see, the one thing that the world does is it keeps you from seeing this battle between these two. One is. I mean, it could totally crush the other. But see, even that one, he made the rebel with a free will. All right, you want to go on? You want to do your thing? I warned you. All right, you're my enemy now. Well, I'm going to try and save my people, and the rebel wants to destroy them. Why? Because he knows that his fate is sealed, so he wants other people to be with him. Team Jesus. That's right. Amen. <laughs> so then it says, this is verse 16. We're going to Galatians 5 and 16. Now look at what Paul, who was a disciple of Jesus Christ, I believe he was the 12th disciple that um, was replaced by Judas. Why? Because remember, they tried to cast lots to get Matthias to join them. But, you know, you don't cast lots to get, you know, you don't gamble for a disciple. So you know that every disciple that Jesus Christ had, he handpicked. So even when he was in heaven, remember, he came and got Paul to join him. I believe Paul was that 12th disciple. Because anyone that the Lord wanted, he came and got personally. Exactly. All right, this is Galatians 5 and verse 16. So Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if you walk obeying the Spirit or getting stronger with the Spirit to where your thoughts become like his, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, the things that the rebel tried to tempt Jesus with. Then he says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so as you can see these two are not friends okay they fight all the time one tries to get you to do bad things the other tries to get you to do good things it's like two angels on your shoulder one is telling you hey 
don't do this, be right, do whatever. And the other one is, oh, man, don't listen to him. You won't have any fun. These are the two that are fighting, the flesh and the spirit. That's why Jesus went into the wilderness to not eat because he wanted his flesh to get weak so the spirit can take him over. All right, so then he says, and these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So that the dirty, filthy, nasty things that you would do, if you walk in the spirit, you won't do them because the spirit is going to tell you how to stay away from them. 18, but if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh. Now remember, uh, for those people that fell who the rebel did get to, to go against Jesus or go against God, these are his works. So these are the works of the flesh, which are manifest which are these, adultery, being with a married woman, you know, a married man, or being married and cheating on, you know, them, that's adultery, fornication, sex before marriage, uncleanness, I mean, it could be anything. You ever notice that some people, I mean, and I think most of us got to get past this at a certain age, but, you know, you don't know how to wash your butt good when you're young, you know, there's a lot of things that you like to do that are in the world that are just unclean. You know, your mom's got to beat you to clean your room. There's a lot of stuff that got to go on, but you like filth. You know, it's just, that's the way it is. Lasciviousness, which are lustful desires. To sit here and just imagine any other things that we're talking about here, that's lasciviousness, like greed, you know, and then idolatry. Idolatry is anything that you make your God, okay, um, aside from the one true God, Um when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted, the devil was trying to tempt him. He was trying to make Jesus an idolater. He, he was trying to get Jesus to worship himself. Hey, well, why don't you do this for you? Why don't you eat because you're hungry? So those things make you an idolater. You know, even with this TV here, just to give you an example. Now, you see the DVD player down here. Now, if I'm giving this more time than I'm giving God, look at what I'm doing to put in a movie. I'm bowing down. Taking a movie out, putting it in. So who am I servicing? I'm not saying the TV is anything wrong with it, but if I'm giving this more time than I'm giving God, this is my God. If I'm not into his word and I'm into that, your God is anything that you serve. And, and you know, if you've got a God, you're going to say something? Uh, you can finish what you're saying. Oh, okay. But if you've got a God, it'll also be clear physically. Anything that you love will become bigger on you. That is your God. You like to eat? You have a gut out like this. You know, whatever it is that you do, that you do more than what you should do as far as following the Lord, it'll get bigger on you. That's your God. Whatever it is that you enjoy more than God makes you an idolater. Yeah. Um, I forgot. You sure? Or you just thought better about saying it? No, I got it, but it was not for me. Oh, did it? Sorry. You should have okay. just gone with your thought. So witchcraft. Everybody thinks that witchcraft is something where you just mess around with spells and all that. That's part of it. But, and it, and it is real and it does exist. Okay? And this is yeah, why we need, this is why we need to be covered in the armor of God, you know, so we can be away from the attacks of the enemy. But witchcraft can also be rebellion. Mm -hmm. It's just like if I want somebody to like me. And I could be sitting here ministering. And I can see a cute girl in the second row. You know where I am. And if I just, if I see her and then I'm like, 
Well, yeah, because you see what the Lord wants is this and that. And, you know, I'm breaking the word down so all you guys can get it because I'm trying to impress her. That's witchcraft because I'm trying to entice someone to do something. It's manipulation. You're right. You're trying to seduce. So witchcraft can be brought in many ways. It's just like when you, um, you know, call your boyfriend or girlfriend, you, you're tired of them, you want them to do something for you. What do you say? Um, you know, I don't even know if I should, you know, be in this relationship anymore. Why? For, you know, like you don't really spend time and I, I'm just not sure I'm feeling that. Now, that may not be in your heart. You don't really want to do that. What do you want them to do? Conform to what you want them to do. It's just like, like Sarah said, oh, honey, um... You know, are you leaving yet? Can you do this for me, please? You know, what happens? You know, the person ends up doing it. That's witchcraft. Yeah. Okay, He's so. Car salesman. A car, exactly. You know, car salesmen or whomever. People sitting there lying to you to get their, their motive met. Now, you know, if you want something, ask for it. But we all know in the flesh that may not be that effective. So what do you do? Try and seduce your way into getting your will done. That's considered witchcraft. It's a work of the flesh. Hatred, everybody knows what that is. Variance, that means to cause division, cause trouble. Then there's emulations, which is trying to imitate or be someone that you've seen or someone that you know. So that's a work of the flesh, too, because God made us to be our own individual selves. If I'm seeing a pastor on TV and I'm trying to imitate him in my teaching, that's emulation. God meant for Derek to be Derek. He meant for Sarah to be Sarah. He meant for Stephanie to be Stephanie. Now, we might all bring the word, but the word is going to be brought the way that God wants to use you. We are instruments of his, but we don't cookie cut people to be like us because some people have been intimidated in the past. They may hear someone bring the word and they'll say, well, I'll never be like that. Good, because you're supposed to be what God wants you to be. So, don't get discouraged. We all teach differently. We've all learned that about ourselves. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I used to be like a perfectionist when I would come up there trying to memorize mm -hmm. exactly what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. And mm -hmm. it was so hard. Like, it was so much pressure until I finally just, like, started praying, all right, Holy Spirit, please lead me. I'm going to trust you even though I feel nervous right now and vulnerable and I don't really know exactly what I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. But I have my outline and then just trusting him. That's so right. That's right. So, you know, wrath, you know, that's just like madness or mean, you know, bitter, angry, this strife, which is also like causing trouble, you know, trying to find seditions of separation. You know, it's kind of like, you know, Stephanie, guess what I heard about Christina? Hey, Devin, you know what I heard that your mom did? But I'm not <laughs> one to say anything. I'm not one to say anything. You ain't hear it from me, but she blah, 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 blah. That's sedition. Okay. That's just bringing trouble. And then it says um, heresies, which is bringing false doctrine. There's a lot of false doctrine, like the enemy tried to use um, scripture to go against Jesus. You got a lot of, you know, some slick people in the pulpit trying to get their needs met through, you know, false doctrine. Telling you, oh, don't worry about hell, don't worry about that. They're false. So envyings, you guys know what that is, murders. Murders can be brought on so many levels. I mean... The Bible says if you don't love your neighbor, you're a murderer. Okay, so that's just saying why? Because you refuse to talk to them about the truth. Let me just get through this. Drunkenness, revelings, which is partying, and such like of the witch. And there's nothing wrong with going to a party, okay? I just mean like when you live the high life, when you're clubbing and getting drunk every week and, 
Yeah, all that stuff, exactly. Wilding out. And such like of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So you see, the path of the flesh leads you away from the creator, which is what the rebel would love. But the fruit of the spirit, now this is what God wants, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And what he means by there's no law for is, how are you going to tell somebody you love them too much? you got too much love inside of you to help somebody. There's no measurement to love. Love is love. So there's no law to govern those things is what he's saying. Yeah, well, temperance is kind of like temperament, you know, like the way you carry yourself, like not not easily angered and things like that, yeah. Like self-control? Right, because you can be angered and still be patient. You can show patience, but on the inside, you, you might not look angry, but you might be. So, you know, he's saying temperance goes along with patience. Yeah, I'm patient, but I'm really tolerating right now because you better get it right, you know. <laughs> But, you know, when you're really patient, it doesn't affect you that way. Exactly. Uh, now something the Lord is still working on me on. That's why he put me in a school with bad kids. <laughs> you know, hey, you're going to deal with them. And they that are Christ, those who belong to Jesus, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. So you see, when you walk with Jesus, eventually your spirit is going to control your body. All right, we're, we're made in three parts. Man is body, soul, and spirit. Uh, it's kind of like a chain link, because some people like to look at it as a bullseye. The spirit's in the middle, then you got the soul on the outside, and the flesh is what we live in. But it's really like a chain link when you imagine the flesh is here, the spirit is here, and then you got the soul in the middle. The soul is just your mind, your will, and your emotions. He's neutral. He doesn't have anything to do with what goes on. He's going to obey either the flesh, which is trying to get you to follow the rebel, or he's going to obey the spirit because the spirit is pulling this way. So you see, this is the battle that we go through. So, you know, so it says that those who belong to Jesus, the spirit is actually winning the battle, pulling the soul with him, and the flesh is so weak that he has to follow. See, you're really not alive until God hits your spirit, man. That's when all the miracles and discernment and all those things come into being. Yes, sir. The strongest time I felt this was the first time I fasted. Mm -hmm. Like, I just felt it so real on how my, my flesh was so strong and the desires it was wanting. Mm -hmm. And then just having to deny myself. Um, and then your hunger pains and then mm -hmm. your thoughts. And, I mean, it's crazy. It's so, like, I mean, it's kind of almost, it's really revealing like the it is it, it, it is and then when you subdue that flesh you realize if you go on a fast you're not going to starve to death but the first times you start doing it man you know, i'm hungry my knees are hurting and i got a headache but once you subdue that flesh you can fast a day or so and just and i'm good this like supernatural energy that's Gives you a, after you get past that little weakness, that's right. Clear mind and direction and revelation. Mm -hmm. like you don't want to stop. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's why he says in verse twenty-five, "If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit." Mm -hmm. So, if we live in the spirit, we're kind of living in the spirit right now, all talking about the Bible. Mm -hmm. But it's different to walk in the spirit because when you walk in the spirit, you're obeying the spirit. It's one thing to get on your knees in prayer and ask the Lord to come to you and talk to you and everything else. 
But it's another thing to have that spirit get you up from prayer and say, we're going to do this today. See, that's how Jesus was led. Jesus was led by the Spirit because the Spirit obeyed the Father. So Jesus didn't do anything different than the Spirit told him to do. Now, that's hard to imagine on our side of things, and none of us has fully conquered this yet, but this is the goal, to be able to obey God so that the rebel doesn't have any of your time. You're not working for him. And I don't mean working physically. That, Like I said, things take time. But that you won't be following him sometimes and then with God because it's going to start out it's going to be right now 100% of the of the rebel you know zero Jesus okay you get a little bit more of the word in you it's going to be 80% of the rebel 20 Jesus all right so you're growing and it's going to be 50% of the rebel 50 Jesus so you're starting to get stronger you're starting to fight back then it's going to be 10% of the rebel 90 Jesus eventually I'm not doing anything that the rebel says to do. Anything he tries to influence me to do, I'm just going to follow Jesus. But see, that's what it is to be set free, to overcome the world and the things that are in it. So it says, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. Let's go to Romans 6. So you see, that flesh has fruit that God wants to grow in you. And what does the rebel want to do? Keep these, keep these fruit from growing. And that's why these kids, I'm telling you, that I work with, they will get on your nerves. You can just tell them to sit down, and they're like, okay, and just jump right back up as if you didn't say anything. You know, so you find yourself yelling, and then you're like, wait a minute, i got to have more patience than this. Because I'm either going to go crazy or hoarse. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to, you know, get more patience, figure out a way to work with them, before I beat your little butt, you know, that's like, but you know, you just want to be right. So this is Romans uh, 6. Yeah, Martin's out of town. Uh, Carlin's home doing homework and stuff like that, but they'll be here next week. So this is Romans 6, and this is verse 1. Everybody there? He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So we are in the period of grace. There was a time back in the Bible, in the Old Testament, if you got caught doing any of the things that we were talking about, you were judged according to the law, and the law was stiff. Meaning, like if they said, if you're an adulterer, you get stoned. And if you were caught doing it, and there was a witness that saw you do it, you were stoned. Since Jesus Christ has come and gone, we are in the period of grace. Jesus, he knew, okay, guys, you're not going to be able to walk in the spirit because you don't even know what that is. You've tried, but you just don't have the nature. So I'm going to come teach you what you need to know, give you the spirit. So and, and you're going to, you know, interact with the spirit. You're going to learn from him. He's going to show you all sorts of things so you can be like me. But you see, this is the period of grace. So this is what we're going all through right now how to be perfect in Jesus. And I don't mean a perfect being. I'm saying a being led by the Spirit. Okay? So this is the grace period. We are privileged to live in this period because if we were in the other, you wouldn't make it. You lived in fear. Verse 2, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead 
by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So you see what he wants us to do? He wants us to be made new. But what do we have to do? We've got to get this flesh under control. Once this flesh is overcome, man, this is, it's, it's good. You know, it's going to be good with the Lord, but there's a trick. If you let that flesh come back by not being in the spirit, he will come back. So this is a constant battle that we're going to go through in life to do that which is right. But you can just say, all right, I heard the truth, and now I'm going to relax. And that old man, which the Bible refers, he calls it, will come back on you. Let's go to Colossians 3, and then we'll move on. The next two verses are going to be short. I mean, you guys can get out of here. I don't want to hold you up. See, Buddhists try to do this too, but the problem is Buddhists don't know the one true God. You know, Buddhist, Buddhism is like an imitation of the true king, the true God. But Buddhists even know too, even Muslims, they fast and say, I've got to subdue my flesh, but they've got the wrong spirit. They, they're a part of a vine, they're not a part of the true vine, which leads you back to the Father. So, see, many religions will have the concept of fasting, self-denial, but they're yoked to the wrong vine. And I'll tell you, if you're not on the true vine, you got the rebel. He's like the, uh, what do you call it? He's like a dispatcher. No matter what number you call, you're going to get him if you're not tapped into Jesus' main line. And you can call another line, hey, yeah, hello, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, all right, sounds good. You want to talk to the real God, okay? Because he's, he's going to lead you in the wrong place. I'm sorry to get excited, guys. I'm just real passionate about this that... You know, everybody understands. This is Colossians 3 and verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So Jesus Christ right now is alive and well. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father, and he's waiting for the Father to tell him to return to get us that we might come with him. He's not some statue somewhere in a garden. He's really alive. Set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So he doesn't mean you're physically dead. He means that that flesh is dead. The enemy can't work with your spirit, so he can't work through your flesh. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, mortify means kill. Therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. So you see, if we don't get these things under control at the time of Jesus Christ or when we die or leave this world, then we are a part of the children of disobedience who God is going to eventually judge. So we want to be, on the, we want to be the children of obedience that follows the one true God. In the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them, but now ye put off all these anger, wrath, so don't do these, you know, work on these, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So as you can see, they're going after the new man. God wants you to be a new man. Christina talked about that 
on a Sunday about the new man and the old man. The old man is the man that followed the rebel. What God wants is the new man that will follow him. But we're going to take some renovating. It's going to, he's got to clean us out. He's not, he might move into the house, but he's not going to leave it the way it was. The Holy Ghost comes inside of you. Oh, man, we got to do something about your mouth. Man, look at this. Look at that. We got to fix this. This is a mess. But he's going to work with you, you know, easily. You know, he's going to speak to you. He's going to have you obey him, and you'll eventually become the new man. So what does the rebel want you to do? Be like him. Be my son again. Follow me. You know, and he's always been a liar. He's always been a destroyer. But God is saying, that bum had you enough. I'm coming to set you free. Come with me. So you see, the old man is the flesh. The new man is the spirit. And this is the battle. So we're going to move on real quick. Two scriptures. We're going to find one that's going to hit every point. All right. So this is, uh, let's go to James 4. James 4. We're going to deal with the world. This is just one quick point. James 4. James is toward the back of the Bible. That's right. That area. Like, just it. That's right, guys. You will never be uh, condemned here. Okay? We're all in this fight. We're all trying to get it together. You know, you might call or somebody may call, hey, man, I messed up. I did something that wasn't right. Hey, well, you know what? Then we're going to pray for you. You know, just ask the Lord to forgive you. This isn't a license to do whatever you want, but over time, you grow to, to eventually learn to do the right things. Parents don't throw away their children when they do something wrong. Neither does God. He's trying to coach you. He's trying to teach you. Yeah, right? Thank God for that. How many times I've been a rebel, you know? But the point is... That's right. You know? So, yeah, seriously. So, the point is... Right. So, the point is, is if you messed up, if you need prayer, hey, we're going to pray for you. We're going to help. You know, hey, we're going to get this right. You know, we're going to coach you and try and get... And I may need coaching. I may call Sarah, Melissa, Christina, hey, I need prayer. You know, because right now I said something to a guy I shouldn't have said, and I know that was wrong. I need prayer. So, hey, I'm not what you would call God's uh, ambassador. Like, you know, oh, I'm Jesus too. I came down to show you guys, but I have no part of, hey, I got sin in my life. The Lord is still pulling out of me. I'm just in a place where certain sins are under control. I'm not doing those anymore. But the thing is, is, God wants to even govern your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts shouldn't even be filthy. You shouldn't even be resting on those fully. Like, okay, like you might have, you can't control what thoughts come to your mind, but when you start to get enticed, man, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, when you get caught, that's when it becomes sin. Lord, forgive me, you know, and move on. But you don't indulge in what you're, you know. Even worrying or stressing. Right. There's so many things that can be considered sin. Right. The Bible even says that which is not of faith is sin. I believe that's Romans 14 or something, or Romans or, or 2 Corinthians 13. But the point is, is, so that means that the Bible says without faith, without believing in God, it is impossible to please God. So God wants to get us to the point to where we believe him fully that we might be. I mean, you see, when you hear stories like Jesus walked on water, you know what? He really walked on water. 
when you truly follow the Lord and you get your spirit man that strong, that's another thing the movie The Matrix was trying to show you. It did it not so in a godly way, but it was trying to make the point. Remember when Neo said, what are you trying to do? He said, I'm trying to free your mind, Neo. Remember that? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get him to believe. Now, you know, I believe the Matrix is going to have nothing compared to a person full of the spirit and what they're going to be able to do, okay? You guys making fun of me over there? No, we're making plans to watch the Matrix. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Hey, well, I have it here so you guys can check it out. But the thing is, is it's true that, you know, um, we need to be freed of the flesh. And when you're free of the flesh, like the Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. All things are possible, Jesus said, to them that believe. So what does the rebel do? What does the world do? Get you to doubt. Oh, yeah, right. I don't believe that that would happen. Oh, believe me. The closer you draw to Jesus, you won't have any issue but to believe. That'll be it. You don't even know what it is to doubt. I've lost two jobs standing for Jesus Christ. And you know what? I'm looking to lose a third because I realize my God is true. My God will do everything that he said he would do. So what did I have? More faith. I've got more faith in God because he's shown me, you're not judged by physical laws and things in this world. I'm taking you beyond that. If you are of me, then you are governed by my kingdom, not theirs. And this physical world has to bow down to the kingdom of heaven. It has, to, it has no control over it. I mean, and you know, the Bible says that this rebel, I think it's in John 10, he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He comes to do this every day. So if you are alive, it's because God is fighting for you. But see, if the devil would have his way with you, most of us would have been dead doing stupid stuff. Taking somebody home from the club, not even knowing this person is HIV positive. You know, hanging out in places, getting high to the point. You don't even know if somebody laced your weed with something and end up putting you in a coma and you end up dying. That actually happened to a guy. A guy I knew, college, you know, um, he was what, headed for college, man. Real smart guy in the neighborhood. The, um, the guys he went out hanging with, they were jealous of him. They laced his weed with something. And I remember the last time I saw him, he was walking around in the streets, unshaven, dirty. And this was a clean-cut kid. He was talking to himself. But he knew me. You know, he would recognize me and say, oh, what's up, man? And then when I walked by, hey, what's up? And he'd be, yeah, because I'm telling you all that. Talking to the air. I mean, this guy was out of his mind. But this is what can happen to you. But you see, if it hasn't, God is, is fighting for you. He doesn't want this to come. So we've got to get smart and start obeying the Spirit. All right, so this is James 4 and verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Uh, come they not hence, even as your lust, uh, that war in your members. So he's saying, hey, this is the war that we're talking about. That lust is of the flesh. What does it need to be subdued by? The Spirit. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have. Ye cannot obtain. Ye fight and war. Yet ye have not, because you ask not. So he's talking about this old man. The old man, as we all know, lusted after a lot of things. And the old man would even kill to get what he wanted. How many people would do that? You owe me, I'll kill you. You know, you touch my wife, I'll kill you. I want that girl over you, I'll kill you. Okay, this is the way of the world. This is how people think 
that don't know God. They're like barbarians. They fight over food. They fight over money. They fight over things that have nothing to do with God. You know, anything, right. So then he says, but he says, you have not because you ask not. So if we were asking in the right place with the right spirit, God will do anything for you. All you got to do is believe him. All you've got to do is obey him and trust him. And he'll make everything come true. That's why he gives us patience because some things he knew. And this is how awesome this creator is. If he gave you what you wanted right now, you might destroy yourself. So he's smart enough to know you don't give a six-year-old kid your car keys. Okay? You don't let them do things that they want to do because they're not mature enough to handle it. So, you know, he takes us through these stages. Verse 3. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. So this can also happen to us too when we're in the flesh. We can be pursuing God real hard, but you say, God, please let this woman get saved. Please let her come to you and find Jesus. But you know why you're asking amiss? Because you don't want her to be saved. You want her for you. You see, it's because I want, I want them to be along with me. You don't want them to know Jesus. You want them to be right for you. So God knows you're asking in the wrong spirit. Not that y'all can't be together, but you're not sincere. You're looking for something that you want. I don't want you to ask in this way. Let me work with them. There were women I led to the Lord. I thought would be my wife and I found out, no, she's not. You know, but this is how some things are. But if I love the person, then it doesn't matter. The point is, is they got saved. Okay, but see, when we are in ourselves... We want what we want, and we don't want people to, um, you know, we want what we want. Verse 4, <laughs> ye adulterers and adulteresses. So what is an adulterer? A man that cheats on his wife, or, or you know, or an adulteress is someone that cheats on her husband. So then he's calling these people that, know ye not that the friendship of the world is the enemy of God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So does this mean don't be kind to people? No. Does it mean don't try and talk to people and win them to Jesus? No. This means that once you have aligned yourself to something because of the world and how the world's ways are, then you, you're God's enemy. When we were unsaved, we were the enemy of God. And the only thing God had for us was his wrath. He sent his son in grace that we might learn see the truth, and join the winning team, okay? But that's what it's about. When you are a friend of the world, that means that you are okay with what the world does. You don't want to tell people the truth, and you, you will justify it. No, it's fine. That's absolutely fine. That makes you an adulteress because once you align yourself with Jesus, you're cheating on him. You know, it's just like if I were to act like I'm with somebody and then go off with someone else, you know, and then, you know, well, I treat, like, it's just like this. Let's just say I got two wives, all right, which is detestable to think about. But just imagine, all right, I'm with one woman telling them how I love them. Then I'm with another woman telling her how I love her. But then I get caught. And what am I going to say to the wife? Oh, um, well, I treat you good, though. But see, you're still lying because you're cheating on her. So God wants us to play things straight. Because some people say, well, I never did anything wrong to you. Yeah, maybe not physically in my face, but look at what you're doing behind the scenes. So God wants you to have a single heart after him. So friendship with the world doesn't mean you can't befriend people and lead people to the Lord 
But one thing you will find as you get closer into this walk, and I've lost some really close friends in my life, you know, is that some of them are still children of the rebel and others are, and, you know, and I'm online with what the Lord wants. And you're going to see in many cases when you pursue the Lord, it's not even that you'll have to try. Some people will separate out of your life because they choose to follow the rebel. So he's saying, whose side are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the side of truth and righteousness and holiness and, and to be saved? Or are you going to be on the side of those who were damned? So there's nothing wrong with befriending people, telling them the truth while you pursue this walk. The Bible says, be kind to all men. You know, be graceful to all men. Love your enemies like Jesus preached. But, you know, we're either in line with one or two people. We're in line with Christ or we're in line with the rebel in his world. All right, so one more scripture and we're done, guys, I promise. I think just the point on that, it's just important to recognize the people in your life who are going to help your relationship with God or hurt your relationship with God. That's you right. That whole alignment. And That's right. You want to surround yourself around good people who are going to help you make good decisions. Um, otherwise, you're just inviting trouble. Absolutely. This is First Peter 5. Don't go there. I mean, you can in your spare time. But the Bible says God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So what does God want? A humble people. Mm -hmm. Proud people. The Bible says you don't even have to be proud. All you got to do is look proud and God is turned off by it. You know, when a person gets the right answer and they just get that look, God can't stand that, you know, because I believe that pride reminds him of the rebel that left him because he was proud. So anything resembling this God, God doesn't like because he didn't create us that way. So if you resemble that guy, you make God sick. But, you know, he loves us enough to work with us that we will eventually be like him. So, all right, last scripture of the night. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I think that's where we're going to conclude. But if you, when you get the chance, guys, write this down. 1 Thessalonians 4, that talks about the resurrection that will come with Jesus Christ. Do you have something tonight? Or you do? Even sick, huh? Even sick. All right, so, you know, um, you know, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Bible says that, you know, you can, um, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil, and you can take nothing out of this world. You know, you can't take anything with you. If I died, I can't pack that couch in my casket. You know, what am I going to do? I mean, you know, and the Egyptians, they were such idolaters, they used to have their wives killed to join them in the casket. So, all right, I'm dying, but you're going to come and be with me, and you guys are still not going to be together. But that's how insane you can be to want something. Mm -hmm. Say, man, give me my watch, give me this, give me that. Man, when you're dying, you leave here, that stuff, someone else is going to get warmed by that nice fireplace you built. Someone else is going to live in that house that you just left. So you can't take anything with you except God. So this is First Thessalonians 4. Sorry, guys, we're going to conclude there. You're like, man, this guy's mouth runs a mile a minute. You're doing good tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm running out, like I'm burning in. Some of y'all, when y'all leave, y'all gonna be like, I thought he never shut up. Jeez. We get it, man. Flesh, spirit, spirit, flesh. What more do you want from a guy? No, all right. 
So this is uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. This is speaking of the coming of the Lord. So it says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye are received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. So what is he saying? What we've been talking about all night. How do you please the Lord? How you walk. You know, you'll learn what he wants. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. So fornication can be physical and it can be spiritual. If you like other gods or get into other religions and things like that, that and you are supposed to be of the Lord, that makes you a fornicator. You're cheating on him. Just like the adulterers and adulteresses. Absolutely, right. So see what God's will is, sanctification. What is sanctification? Separation. Well, more than that. Cleansing. Cleansing. You know, God comes in, works things out of you. That's God's will. He wants a clean vessel like Christina had to pour two gallons of water in to make the point. Uh, two and a half. You should see that. I needed more. I was close. But did you see the picture? She looked so happy like. She was doing the water like she was feeling every drop. You guys remember the picture I sent you last night? Yeah, she's pouring the water like she was super excited that she was doing that. But see, God wants to, to set us free that way. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. So what are we supposed to be? Vessels of God. We are the temple of God. And see, when you're a vessel... You're either going to be a vessel for one or two things. You're going to be um, housed by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and used by the Lord. Or you're going to be housed by demons and let the devil run your life, the rebel. So you're a vessel no matter what, huh? It's That's right. Verse 5. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know, you, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. What does he mean here? He means that you won't, when you get closer with the Lord, you won't do somebody wrong knowing that God is watching. That's, that's the big part of being world conscious and God conscious. The more conscious you become of God, you really start to think about stuff. You might do something in the flesh, but then you're like, wait a minute, man, that wasn't right. You know, God doesn't like this. i got to call that person and apologize. So you'll start to, you know, your conscience will start to be pricked when you're doing the wrong thing. So then he says, where am I? Oh, verse 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. So unless you know the Lord, you really are riding around in a stolen car. You know, this body should be for the Lord, but you're using it to do what you want. What God wants you to do is give the body back so he can actually work with you. Now, there's nothing wrong with sex as long as it's done in a God-like manner and you're married. Okay, God wants you to get married. So don't think that following Lord, the Lord that you'll have no pleasure. I mean, you've got to become a nun and go and live in a cave somewhere. That's not even what it's about. It's about doing things lawfully in God's purpose. God made sex. We wouldn't all be here without it. So he's not against it, but he wants it to be done in his manner, in his likeness, governed by his law. 
what he considers righteous. And I think that is righteous to want a man to be with one woman, a woman to be with one man. That's how much he loves you. Then to see you through the hands of constant men and women, you know, that's what the enemy will do. Verse 9, but as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But uh, we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. So as we go further with the Lord, we'll get stronger. And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So that means if God is working through you, you don't have time to criticize anybody else because you're busy working for him. So the Bible talked about being a busybody in other men's affairs, getting involved in this, who your neighbor is sleeping with. All that stuff ain't got nothing to do with it. Stay on task with what the Lord has called you to do. Okay, yeah. And that's an interesting thing, too, because no woman or man wants a bunch of random people. They want that one person, mm -hmm. and they don't have it, and mm -hmm. that's why they do that, is because it's like an instant gratification. Like you have it, uh -huh. Yeah, but mm -hmm. you really don't. And exactly. Then, and then it's done, and you don't have that person anymore, so it's like the next person. <laughs> yeah, it's just mm -hmm. like no one wants to be like that. I mean, you feel guilty after, mm -hmm. and it's not... Uh -huh. And you feel guilt before you even know God. You know that yeah. something's wrong with this. Yeah. So can we get an amen in here? Somebody amen. hears it, somebody gets it, amen. you know, and understands what this is about. So absolutely. No, you're so right. Verse 12, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. So God wants you to lack nothing. He wants you to be complete in him. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So Paul is saying here, don't be ignorant. For those who are already dead, that died for Jesus Christ, you know, that died knowing him, you are going to see them again. So don't think that, you know, they sleep and you're not going to see them. So then he says, for if we... Oh, he says, others, um, even as others which have no hope. Because there are some people, you don't really have a sense of hope until you know Jesus Christ. Other than that, you're just coursing through life, you know, feeling every expectation and emotion. But you see, God gives you hope because he points you to eternal life. This is not the only life we have to live. There is one that is greater than this. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them... Also, which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So, you know, it says those who died in Jesus. If you believe Jesus died and resurrected, then those who believe Jesus Christ will also be dead and be resurrected. And we're going to, the Bible is going to actually tell you how it's going to be done. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So it could have been people that died 2,000 years ago. Guess what? If they died knowing Jesus, they're going to be resurrected too. So it says in verse 16, For the Lord, which is Jesus himself, shall descend, meaning come down from heaven, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. So what's going to happen on that day? It's going to be a glorious day. The Bible says that even the sun and the moon with all their brightness 
they're going to bow out and get dark. And Jesus Christ is going to come and fill the whole sky. The Bible says from the east to the west, the light is going to shine. So every eye is going to see the coming of Jesus Christ. Don't believe people telling you he already came. That's a lie. So it says when he comes, there's going to be a shout from the voice of an angel. Remember the, um, the servants, some of them that left and went with the rebel? Well, God kept two-thirds of them. They actually stayed. So when one of them comes down, he's going to make an announcement. I don't know what he's going to say. King of kings, Lord of lords, here he is, whatever. You know what's going to be said. That's what's going to happen. And Jesus Christ is going to come down. From, and it's going to be a trumpet blown, I guess, you know, when Jesus comes. Like the announcing of a king and the dead that are already in the ground are going to rise and meet with Jesus Christ in the clouds. I know that's a hard thing to fathom, but that's what's going to be. Why? Because Jesus Christ is going to destroy the old world that the rebel built up. And he's going to have his people. He's going to come with a new heaven and a new earth. Now, I know you guys may think I'm crazy right now, but this is all a part of believing the truth. And this is what science, this is what the government, this is what people try and keep you from knowing. You know when they tell you they're out there looking for asteroids to hit Earth? You know when they say, oh, well, we got to be careful because it might be an asteroid? You know what asteroid they're looking for? Jesus That's who they're looking for. That's who they're worried about and they want to fight against because they don't want you knowing the truth. If they don't believe that Jesus is real, then why do you keep talking about it? Why do you keep trying to find excuses to get people not to believe and even make movies to make fun of him or to make people not believe? So they know he's real, but the rebel runs all of this. So what does he want you to do? To not believe. To waste the life that you have now so you won't have one in eternity. Sorry. All right, quick point on that. Also, yeah. um, that Jesus is the number one taken out of schools, taken out of everything, like he's the number one thing mm -hmm. fought against, like that mm -hmm. is just huge, you know? That's right. Um, and then, um, just thinking about how God made the sun and the moon, and he said in Genesis they were good, um, and how we can be so, like if you just enjoy nature or whatever, mm -hmm. God's creation, how beautiful they are, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know sometimes I can just like appreciate it and just be kind of memorized by it and just thank the Lord for the things he gave us, but to visualize in the scripture Jesus, like those being gone and Jesus coming and being mm -hmm. the light that just floods the sky, like how mm -hmm. that will make you feel like just overflowing That's of right. joy, of peace, of just, I just You guys want to know something too? Christina's absolutely right. Do your research on this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge anybody to look this up. And I'm going to say this boldly. I'm not going to ruin this, this teaching, but this is true. Look up. They never went to the moon. Okay, that's a lie. That's a lie, folks. Half the stuff they tell you that are out in space is a lie. I know what you see through a telescope, but what I'm saying is they don't tell you what those things really are. But do some research on that. Look up they never went to the moon. You got astronauts telling you, even Neil Armstrong and his men were like, when they were asked about it, they were getting mad. You know, and it's like, why are you getting mad? Just explain. But one guy said, if they went to the moon, why were they all sitting there like they just lost their parents? You know, they were, uh... You know, well, the moon is nice, and I mean, if you went to the moon, you'd be excited, woohoo! You know, whatever. But they, yeah. Um, so it's like when you get to uh, a certain. They were lying. They were reading notes right in front of them, but they never went to the moon. Because more excitement over yeah. the NFL than, they, than those guys. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
I was subbing for a fifth grade class and they were doing this NASA project and mm -hmm. like doing research on pictures and had to do like this presentation. Mm -hmm. One of the kids had these pictures up and he just looks out. I just went to talk to him and I'm like, what's up? And he goes, this just doesn't look real. Mm -hmm. He's like, none of these images look real. I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. I like, gave him a high five. Because like, they're not gone. real. Exactly. They show like eight different pictures of the globe and none of them look alike. It's like, man, which one is the world? They actually show an actual picture of what's mm -hmm. out there. It's just fuzzy stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. Exactly. And when they put the flag in, like how it wasn't moving, there's like stuff just like debunking it. Exactly. Oh, so you yeah. know about it? Yeah. Oh, all right. I don't know if I watched that exact thing, but I mean, there's tons of stuff. Even yeah, there's a lot of videos on it. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. They're going to be raised in glorified bodies. A glorified body is going to be one without illness that is going to live forever. This body is old and corrupt. You know, if you don't wash it, it stinks. The glorified body that God intends to give us is going to be something. It's going to be something like we never had. So then it says, then we which are alive. So those who are dead are going to rise first. But we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be, I mean, ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So this is what we're doing. And this is how you overcome the world. The enemy wants us to waste the life that we've got now in the flesh and so many things that don't even mean anything. You know, they're all vanities. But God is trying to get you back and connected to the vine so we can lift up on that last day. This is how you overcome the world. You overcome the flesh, which is what holds us back, and the devil, which is the rebel that we've been talking about all night. You've got a real enemy that hides himself in the shadows and through all sorts of indoctrination, like we talked about in school and government and everywhere. But you've got to overcome all of that. And find Jesus Christ, make your abode in him, he'll make his abode in you, and you will overcome. Why? Because Jesus overcame. He said, I have overcome the world. And so will you if you follow and you obey what he tells you to do. Yeah. And then once you start overcoming the world and things of it in your flesh, that's when um, you know the Father can start blessing you with the spiritual blessings and the things he has that's for right. you. And, you know, just That's right. We ask him for sometimes he's not ready to give it to us mm -hmm. because he wants to make sure that we're strong enough um, to be able to hold on to it and That's not waste right. it. That's right. Amen. Amen. And you have not lived until your spirit man is alive. That's the place that God communicates with us. When people say, How do you hear God's voice? Subdue this flesh and let that spirit run. Let that spirit get strong and God will instruct you. He doesn't work with your flesh because he knows your flesh is run by the enemy. Your, the enemy already messed that up. So he tries to communicate with you in the spirit. All right? So, you know, right now we're getting spiritual food. We're talking about the words, you know, of the Lord. And you see how clean you feel. You see how enlightened you are. The enemy is going to try and take that from you after this study. That's why it's important that we stay in. Yeah. Um, I have this favorite uh, picture. Mm -hmm. that I think Mm -hmm. And then he's like holding behind his back like this huge teddy bear. 
and he was mm-hmm. like, just trust me. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's so true. Like you hold on yep. to things that you're comfortable with and you love, but you don't know what is on the other side. Yeah. That's right. Praise the Lord. We got somebody that understands, man. I mean, this is, that's why I said, if you can hear this, if you can hear this, then that's supernatural. If you understand what's going on tonight and you heard this, this is God's grace that he's given us to come to the truth. You know, because every time we go back to the world, the devil gets stronger. You know, so Sarah's going to present. That's the lesson for tonight. I just want to tell you guys, I love you all. I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound of Trumpet Ministries, soundoftrumpetministries.com. So, Sarah's going to present. You got anything? Or no. Okay. I could. No, that's okay. <laughs> you poured enough water on Sunday. Come on. Never <laughs> enough. Yeah. Never so, enough. All right. All right. I'm going to have us go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's right after Proverbs. kind of funny though that we're really talking about all this stuff tonight and holding on to things because the Lord really revealed something to me that didn't really realize it was a idol or a struggle until recently and it has to do with time so Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and we'll look at verse 1 and then we're going to skip down to verse 11 Verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Okay, so I'm not going to run through all these verses because it just pretty much talks about the seasons, you know, and the time that God has for everything. So now looking at verse 11, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor, it is a gift of God. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it, and God doeth it that men should fear him. So, recently, um, I didn't realize that I'm like a very punctual person. I hate to be late for anything, even things that are not important. I have to, on days that I'm off, I always plan my day. And, um, like, I have to be everywhere at a certain time. So that way, at the end of the day, I I have time left over. And there's nothing wrong with being punctual for work or if you tell someone, hey, I'm going to be here at this time. Uh, let's go meet at this time. Um, I like to be early for being early. And I don't know if that's just part of the military that's still ingrained in me that the Lord's working out. But the Lord really kind of brought it home to me was when last week we were going out to evangelize. We had to take care of something first. And then we were going out to talk to people. And it was right before the conference. And I remember because we weren't out evangelizing at the time that we said we were, I started getting agitated. You know, I started getting like, you know, frustrated. And 
But when we got out there, we actually ran into a young man that we'd been ministering to over the you know the last several weeks, and we occasionally would run into him. And we got to pray for him because his family's been sick, and he realized he's been going under a lot of spiritual attack. And the Lord revealed it to me that don't worry about always having to be somewhere on time because had we been out there any earlier on that day, we would have missed him. And so the Lord really spoke to me about this today too, saying, you know what? Stop worrying about all this stuff. Stop planning your day because if I plan out my day according like I've got to be at the grocery store at this time or I've got to be at the bottle drop at this time or I have to be here over here, I've got to do my laundry at this time, then when do I fit God's time into that? And I'm not talking about just reading my Bible. I'm talking about if I'm out and he wants me to talk to somebody, well, he, <laughs> I can't hear him if I'm so focused on where, you need to be. where I need to be. Exactly. Where need to be. And I didn't realize it to this day that punctuality can be an idol. It actually can be an idol, and the Lord showed that to me today, and when he did, and I asked the Lord to forgive me, it was like this heavy weight started being lifted off of me. Like, all right, Lord, you know what? I know we have to be one step ahead of the devil, but be even one step further in case a monkey wrench gets thrown into that plan. The Lord knows where we are at this point. It's his appointed time that we have to be somewhere, not our appointed time. So that's what I had to bring tonight. Awesome. Right. So, flexible and adaptable because you know so many things like Jesus couldn't plan you know what he was going to do things are thrown at him they come up to him you know all the time yeah, imagine exactly. Jesus keeping a schedule right exactly you know and all that what would he get done you know <laughs> exactly Melissa you want a prayer sure mm-hmm. Dear Lord, I'm so grateful for this time and this lesson today. It, it is so perfect as all of your word and your timing and your lessons are, Lord. And I'm just so grateful for you continuing to pluck these things out of us. And I pray that you would just continue to reveal these things to us that we need to repent, that we need to get rid of, Lord. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for your protection, your grace. Um, your glory, Lord, you just, you're such an amazing God and, and we're so undeserving of how much you give us. <laughs> um, just give us your eyes, Lord, give us your guidance that your will be done, that we, we do, we follow your will to help our neighbor, to love our neighbor, to forgive, to have patience and trust thank you for continuing to build us up thank you for continuing to seal those chinks in our armor lord so the enemy cannot whisper lies to us we have chosen to pick up the armor and and put it on to fight the spiritual battle and we're just grateful as you strengthen us day by day and we just pray that we would continue to to weaken the flesh and strengthen the spirit, Lord, in you. It is such an amazing gift, and thank you for always providing for us. 
We just pray in your holy name to just continue to get stronger with you every day, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your holy and mighty name we pray. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.